Welcome to another edition of the Basketball Teacher Podcast. Our mission is to bring you discussions on a wide array of topics in the coaching world to grow players on and off the court. You can connect with us on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, and also reach us directly through email at basketballteacherpodcast at gmail.com. Now, here's your host, Coach Mike Hernandez. Hello again and welcome. Thank you for listening to us on whatever platform you are listening on and joining in on the conversation on the Basketball Teacher Podcast. Your support, as always, is appreciated. And thanks again to all those who left five-star reviews on iTunes so that way we can reach and connect with more coaches. I really greatly appreciate that. Uh, Today, I'm excited to talk about scouting and talk about game planning and just overall preparation uh, for the games that we're playing. So, They say proper planning prevents poor performance, and that, of course, applies to coaching basketball. To help bring insight to this topic, I'm happy to be joined by Coach Sean Peer. Coach, how are you today? I'm doing good, Coach. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you, too. I I really am looking forward to you being able to share your insight and share your knowledge on this topic, so I'm excited, looking forward to it. But before we get into all that, as I do with all my guests, Coach, I want to make sure that our listeners know your journey and know your basketball journey, where you've been, uh, where you are, and just all the steps in between. So to get us started, Coach, want to go ahead and uh, tell us your journey. Sure. I want to preface this by just saying you're talking about my journey as 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 a coach. Um, I'm still in the early stages of my journey. I'm looking to uh, learn and grow, just like many people that I'm sure are listening to this podcast. Um, I'm, I'm excited to take this journey with all of us, and I'm still learning as I go here. So I appreciate the opportunity to share what little I've learned, um, and I hope, it, I hope it's helpful for everyone else. Um, so my journey, I, I'm from uh, the state of New York where I grew up playing basketball and football pretty much my whole life. Um, you know, fourth grade through high school. Um, I was fortunate enough to have some success in both of those sports. And I had the opportunity to play both of those at the collegiate level. Um, I had I had some small interest in some D1 AA football schools. Um, and I was also being uh, heavily recruited as a D3 basketball player. Um, it was a tough decision for me as, as, as a player. Um, I ended up choosing basketball. Um, I, I was pretty frail at the time for a football player, and, and hoops was always my passion. So um, I ended up picking hoops. It's tough to play both those sports um, because of the scheduling. You know, football ends around Thanksgiving, but basketball begins, you know, in October. So mm-hmm. I, I ended up choosing hoops, um, which was the right decision. Um, it, it's 100% my passion, and I had a very su- successful four years. I played in every game of my career. We had multiple trips to the NCAA tournament. Um, my, my graduating class actually graduated as the winningest class of athletes on the, uh, in the East region for Division III. Um, so we had, we had quite a bit of success. Um, I was fortunate to play a small part in, 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 that, in that team and our success. And um, it, was, it was a formative experience for myself, you know, the kind of experience every college athlete at the Division III level hopes for. Um, so after that, I knew I wanted to get into teaching and education. Um, so I immediately uh, went back to my old high school coach and asked for a coaching job. Um, I, was, I was pleasantly surprised to get a, the JV head coaching job as a 22-year-old um, nice. for a small double A, which is uh, the largest classification in New York State. So I, I was a JV head basketball coach 
for a large school at my alma mater. So that was very exciting. Um, I had possibly one of the most rewarding experiences as a coach that year. Um, I was able to take a team that had, you know, we've all had these kinds of teams where great kids, phenomenal students, great set of parents. Um, unfortunately, they were uh, lacking in a lot of skills as basketball players. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't remember what we finished that season off, but uh, it was something like four or five wins, and, and that was four or five more wins than that team had ever had. Um, but it was, it, was a great, it was a great team to be a part of. I learned so much um, from, from my former head coach and from those players and things like that. Um, so it was a great experience. After that year, um, the coach that I played for, he, he, uh, he, he needed a break, so he was no longer coaching. Um, so we brought in a new head coach. Um, and he was implementing his system and his way of doing things. And I, I didn't know much of him at the time. And um, he actually bumped me down to the freshman job. Um, so I spent a couple of years working as a freshman basketball coach, um, helping out with varsity. Um, the way the schedule worked, I was able to coach my freshman teams and then, and then pop over to the varsity practices every day after that. So I was a quasi assistant for the varsity team as well. Um, and I spent a couple of years there. Um, I got a new teaching job after that um, in a small school where I, where I got a teaching job. And I spent um, a year there as the modified basketball coach. I was coaching both um, a seventh grade team and an eighth grade team, um, which was a great experience being in a small school, working with a different type of athlete. Um, I was in more of a suburban school before. Um, and, and during this year, I was, I was in a more rural setting. Um, but a very basketball savvy school, a long history of, of success at the boys and girls level for basketball. So that was a great experience. Um, and then the year after that, I uh, bumped back to uh, my alma mater, where um, it, I was I was promoted to the varsity assistant. And I spent the last two years, um, I'm entering my third year as the varsity assistant at my alma mater, the program I was in before. Um, this current batch of seniors that I was able to just coach, um, it was great. I had coached those kids for three of their four years of their high school career. Oh, wow. Well, I had them as freshmen, and then I had them as juniors and seniors at uh, varsity level. Um, so that was a real cool experience. I was able to kind of follow these kids along their journey, and uh, hopefully, hopefully they learned a thing or two uh, from me along the way. So um, that's sort of my journey as a coach. Um, I'm very grateful to be in the situation that I'm in. Um, the head coach um, who has been there for six or seven years now. He's he's a fantastic mentor, and he, he provides me the opportunity to, um, you know, insert my ideas and learn from him and learn from my experiences. And he, he provides me the guidance to make mistakes, which is which is one of the most important things you can yep. do as a coach. You know, none of us are perfect. We're mm-hmm. we're learning on the job here, so right. it's been a great experience. Uh, my short coaching journey here and I'm excited to see um, where I can take it from here. I, I love the game of hoops. 
Right. A absolutely. And one of the one of the things that demonstrates that is you went right into it, uh, kind of like I did. And some of the other people I've talked to just went right at, right out of college. We got we took that job. We just wanted to coach. And so so we jumped right in and, and took the opportunities where they came like you did and were willing to kind of maneuver around from JV to freshman, then going to the seventh and eighth grade and then back to your alma mater. So uh, definitely just just jumped right in. And that's something that resonates with me, I know. And and with that, as somebody uh, in your case who did play at uh, the collegiate level and did play for four years. Uh, a lot of times players, they have the identity of being around the game, like that that's who they are as people. They, they, they did it in their whole life. They did it in college and a lot of people want to stay in the game. And so their natural transition like yours is, is to go into coaching. Uh, so that way that they're still able to stay in, in the game. And I want to talk a little bit about that because that is a transition from being the player on the court to being the one who's, who's coaching. So, so what skills did you develop over the course of time as a player? Obviously, I know that you played basketball, so it helps. But what, what were some skills that made it an easy transition from going to player to coach? But also, what were some things that were also a little bit different difficult to have to go from being the one playing the game to being the one coaching it. Yeah. Um, you know, there's positives to being a player first. There's also some things that I think can kind of uh, shape the way you view the game and the way you think about the game that, that are a little more, a little bit more of a challenge to overcome. Um, you hear a lot of the NBA level. Um, this guy is a player's coach, you know, the NBA guys, they only want to, um, be coached by guys that have been around in the game and know the game and they feel that they can connect with on on a level as a player and I think that that's one thing as, as a as a former player that that really resonates with with uh, the kids that I'm working with you know being able to say listen man I've, I've been there I've been through this mm -hmm. grind I did the AAU circuit I was in the recruiting process um, I think that really helps me as a coach uh, develop a relationship with some of my kids you know especially um, the ones that are looking to take their game to the next level. Um, so it, I think that that's one of the biggest benefits is just just kind of being able to level with the kids and, you know, communicate like, yeah, man, like I remember I was in a similar situation when I was your age or, or you know, I like to – I'm still pretty young. I can still hoop a little bit. So <laughs> I, I talk some trash to the kids, and if a kid's, kid's not getting something, I'll say, well, here, let me show you, and, like, we'll, we'll do it together, you know, so I'm able to – use use some of my physical tools um, to my advantage and use that as, as a model for the students to learn from. Um, so that's definitely one of the benefits. Um, as far as my experiences as a player, um, I take a lot of what I what I learned from the coaches in my life and try and apply them to uh, myself as a coach. I think I've been very grateful over my uh, playing career to play for some fantastic coaches. Like I mentioned, I'm, I was close with my high school coaches. Um, I still speak to them um, to talk about their their advice and things that they how they would handle certain situations. Um, and my college coaches were actually two excellent coaches as well. Um, I was recruited by um, one coach at my school, a guy named Izzy Metz. Um, he was a fantastic recruiter, a, a young head coach at the Division three level. Um, I believe he won coaching staff of the year, maybe both years that I was uh, fortunate enough to play for him. And he took a job at uh, Boston College to work uh, under Steve Doherty at his staff at Boston College. Um, and we played a very, very intense brand of basketball when he was there. We, we pressed for 40 minutes, um, trapping press, uh, containing press, you know, pretty much 
generally man-to-man presses and we, we pushed the ball. We got after it and we, we played at a very, very high tempo. Um, we got up a lot of points. We forced a lot of turnovers and, and you know, the theme was to just create chaos and, and wear teams down over the course of a 40 minute game. So um, I take a lot of my defensive philosophies and, and my passion for the game are really kind of molded after um, what I think coach Metz was able to provide for me during my two years with him. Um, so he left for Boston College, and then I was able to play for another um, highly respected coach, uh, a guy named Mike Neer. Um, and if, if people know anything about the Division Three coaching world, um, he's, he's very well regarded. He's got over 500 career wins as a college basketball wow. coach. Um, he played in uh, national Final Fours and, and won a national championship. Um, you may not know this, but Bo Ryan, the former head coach at Wisconsin, um, he actually coached against Mike Neer, my coach, in uh, those Final Fours National Championship game. Oh, so wow. right before Bo Ryan retired, he actually made a comment about how there are great coaches of the Division Three ranks like Mike yeah. Neer. Um, so I was able to play under him for two years as well. And he was obviously um, a phenomenal coach. Uh, but what was interesting is, is he played – a completely different style than the, than the style of play we had for our first two years. So, you know, we played a run and gun, create chaos kind of style for two years. Um, and then Coach Neer came in and, and we installed the triangle. So oh, wow. um, <laughs> much, much more methodical, much yeah. more with the shot clock, take good shots, not the first shot, right. um, set good screens, you know, all the, all the old school uh, – ways of thinking were the way that he thought and we had a lot of success for him um our, our ncaa tournaments were actually under coach near um so i'm a big believer in um in the way that he taught the game and the way that he approached the game on a day-to-day basis um, i learned a lot from him and I, I try and copy a lot of what he did uh both on the practice planning and on, on the game management level from coach near so um, as a player, I, I think that what I try and do is I try and incorporate the best of both of those coaches. Um, I, Coach Neer's style, I think, is fantastic, and it's great for grinding out close wins. Uh, but at the high school level, sometimes with the level of athlete that you have, um, you got to play a little more chaotic and a little more frenetic and forcing turnovers and, you know, getting more possessions by taking quicker shots and things like that. Um, so I try and incorporate both of those styles. Um, into my into my uh, coaching rapport and, and the things that I try and do. Um, so very grateful for the experiences that I had as a player, and I've learned a lot from it. Well, it, it makes a, a ton of sense that you'll be able to better relate to players, uh, w- which you first mentioned by, by being able to say, hey, all these situations that you're going through and all these things you're dealing with, like I've been there, I, I can tell you stories, I can tell you how it worked for me and what I did or maybe didn't do. So I could definitely see where that, that connection could be and the relationships can be built with the players. That makes a ton of sense. And again, I like what you said about just reflecting, uh, you know, as a former player that you can reflect on the coaches that you had and think about the systems that they ran and why they worked and, and what it was like for you to be in that system and take the best of both of those systems. And then at the same time, not just try to impose a system just because you, you think it's going to work, but also paying attention to who you have, the type of athletes that you have and, and things of that nature, I think are super important. And so something that I took out of that is 
for, for former players is to just make sure that you think about the systems you were in, but think of them like big picture. What about that system worked? Why, why was that system effective? And sort of look at it from like a bigger, bigger lens. Um, so, so that's great. Um, all right. So let's get into our topic today, which is about scouting uh, and making an effective game plan for your opponents. Um, this looks a lot different for a lot of people. I know I know scouting is done in so many different ways. Sometimes it's delegated. Sometimes people look at films. Sometimes make a sometimes people do a lot of stuff. So I'm aware that the way that different coaches scout may look a little bit different than in your particular situation, but I still think the general principles of what you're going to say are going to be really helpful. So let's let's get into it. What is uh, what's your process for for scouting and making a, a game plan? Is there a certain formula, or is there some step by step process that you go through when you're scouting or or preparing and making these game plans? Yeah, so I think you you hit it hit the nail on the head there. I was going to say, you know, this is sort of my process, and this worked mm -hmm. for me um, and the league that we play in and the, and the players that we had. Um, but, you know, each coach and each system is going to have a different way of doing this. So you kind of have to make it your own and you have to find what works for you, your staff and your and your players. Um, like you said, it's often a, scouting is often something that's delegated, which is the case. I'm, I'm not the head coach. I'm the varsity mm -hmm. assistant. And I was delegated to do scouting and game plan, some of the game planning around our opponents and things like that. Um, so, like, when we go into practice and, and we're doing pregame, um, I kind of take a brunt of, of those pregame practices to talk about what teams are doing and things like that. Um, so what I tried to do is, is I, this isn't a scientific process. It's kind of like where I kind of started and, and how I got to uh, a game plan and a scouting report um, based on, based on kind of just me watching film and things like that. So I broke it up into some steps. And I think the first step you got to do is first and foremost is you got to have, you got to have film. Um, I spend a lot of time looking at the schedule and pointing out games that we're going to try and target and try and get copies of. Um, you know, you want to think about things like who who plays a similar style to you? What games are going to be good games? You don't want to, if you're going to play a, a team, you don't want to see them blow a team out by 30 and have a, have a film from just the first half where they're not really putting in a lot of stuff and being forced to make decisions where they're just, you know, they're, they're flat out better. You don't want films like that. So you want to have films of contrasting styles. Maybe you have one where they were down big and they came back, or maybe they were up big and they blew a lead or, you know, a tight back and forth game, um, different sorts of styles. Maybe a team that's got a ton of shooters or a team that has a bunch of athletes, you know, you got You want to try and find as much diverse film on a team as you can so that you can get the most comprehensive, idea of who this team is what kind of players they have and and you know one of the big things is like who who are the gamers who are the kid who are the kids that night after night are standing out on the film you know because at the high school level there's a lot of inconsistency and, and you might watch one film where you think wow like that number 20 he's he's a beast man like we got to watch out for him but then you watch three or four other games and he disappears right so um, I think having lots of different films and, and teams that run man, teams that run zone, it, it's, it's, it's all helpful. So I think the first thing is making sure you've got a good library. Um, so once I kind of have that done is I, I, I take a look at specific games. You know, there seems to be teams that we end up swapping film with over and over again. 
Um, it's just that their schedule seems to mirror ours or they have a similar style um, or, you know, we're just friends with the coach and, and we're comfortable sharing film with each other. Um, so once I have all that, the first thing that I sort of do is I want to look at um, the player tendencies. Other coaches may have different philosophies where they want to look at team tendencies, such as, you know, their sets or their defensive schemes or things like that. But I usually start with player tendencies. Um, you know, who's a shooter? Who's a driver? Who's who's the garbage man? Who's who's the point guard? Who's 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 their sixth man? Who's the spark off the bench? You know, I I, I like to compile all of those things first. Um, and as soon as I get my hands on 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 those and get a good idea of what teams are, um, I like to pass those things on to my team. Um, so what I do is we were fortunate enough to have huddle. So I'll put together like you know anywhere from two to seven minutes of uh, a playlist that just kind of shows what is this player about, you know, like they're tied. I usually start with the leading score. How is he scoring? Is he, is he, is he taking everyone off the dribble? Is he a straight up shooter? Is he, is he a pure scorer that can do a little bit, a little bit of both? I try and focus on, does that kid have a move? Like, is that move coming or does he always go left? Does he always go right? You know, and I focus on that main scorer first. That's kind of the first thing that I do. And then I just kind of go through the roster. Um, you know, who's their second most important guy? And I usually, depending on the team, depending on their depth, I usually go through the starting five and maybe a couple more. Um, and I send that out to my players. Um, I'm not sure how effective that is for my players, um, but that's kind of what I've done the past two years is – is I've sent that out to the kids, and sometimes for big games, I think the kids look at them pretty religiously. Other games where they think they're going to win big is I, they, I don't, I'm pretty sure they don't look at it. Um, so that's kind of where I start. And once I have once I have those player tendencies, that's when I try and dive into um, the team tendencies. So the player stuff, for me, I think that that stuff is more for my players you know i want i want my players to have an idea of who they're going to be guarding and what the matchups are going to be oh you're going to be on number 20 so um that stuff is more for my players and i get that out to them as soon as possible so they can look at it um and they have that accessible to them after that that's when i really start to focus more on um the things that i need to know for the game plan um this is when i focus on defensive schemes um, are they man's team? Are they a zone team? What do they do on ball screens? How do they handle off ball screens? What sort of presses are they going to run against us? How are we going to break them? Um, and, th and, then I, and then I start thinking about half-court sets. Um, I, like, I think it's a great advantage as a coach to have some of their best sets memorized. Um, I, I think back on my time this past year, um, we're, in, we're in the playoffs, and I heard them call box. And I, you know, I instantly knew what yeah. box meant, and I knew I knew what play box was, and yeah. I'm I'm shouting instructions from the sideline. You know, watch the cross screen, down screen, Billy, he's coming off the staggered, follow him. You know what I mean? And when you yeah. do that sort of stuff at the high school level, um, I think the benefit more so than my team responding appropriately is is you give the other team some spooks um, early on in the game. You know, you usually get one guy who kind of looks over at the bench like, oh no, he knows our stuff. <laughs> you know, and, and I think some of those mind games are good to have and just kind of just kind of point those things out. Like I'll kind of give them a nod like, yeah, I'm ready for you. Like, <laughs> come on, man, bring it on. 
Yeah. So I, I focus on those half court sets and then I go into, you know, baseline out of bounds, sideline out of bounds. And I think probably the most important thing, especially in a, in a competitive close game is, is how does the team handle uh, end of, end of game stuff? You know, what's their go-to play final two minutes? Who are they going to get the ball to? Um, what is their philosophy on timeouts and things like that? You know, any sort of thing that you can just pick up from watching some of their close games, you know? Um, and you just got to kind of watch that stuff over and over and over again. I watch, I watch um, for big games. I'll watch a couple films anywhere from two to four times, you know, just trying to get ready and prepare myself. You know, I'm, I'm sure at different levels they have different amounts of availability, uh, but the varsity level here, I'm watching film. I'm, couple hours of film for for a big game yep um so that's kind of my process that's that's what works for me that's that's how i go through it okay and i and i love that that there's a process to it and something that's a little bit formulaic and you know that you're kind of doing that uh each and every time so so a few follow-up questions here about some of these steps because i'm curious about your own personal philosophy because i've heard a, a couple uh conflicting things from coaches that i that i've worked with or talked to so i want to go yeah. first to you know, about having film which i absolutely agree you have to have film and you have to have a variety of film that shows uh, different situations. And because I remember watching film once and I said, oh, like this team, I watched one game and I was like, OK, th this won't be too big of a deal. I come to find out like two weeks later that three of their best players weren't even playing in that game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you definitely need to have multiple game films. But here's a quick question that I have for you. So one of the coaches that, that, I, that I've worked with before. When it comes to film, our season starts at the end of November. And let's say we have a game that comes in January. That coach doesn't even want to look at any film from another team in November. They think it's too early. It doesn't matter what they're doing in November because it's probably not what they're doing now. Do you do you kind of have that same thought process? Are you kind of like throwing away that stuff at the beginning uh, of the year, those first couple games a team uh, plays? Or do you still find that that's valuable and useful for you? Yeah, Um I tend to look at more recent things, mm -hmm. um, you know, for reasons that you mentioned, if a team is, you know, maybe a team's offense looks anemic in the first, in the first quarter of a season, they just haven't figured out their style of play and what's going to work for them, you know, as a team, as we all know, as a coach, um, I heard you talking on your last podcast is you may have an offensive philosophy of what kinds of things you're going to run coming into a season, but you know, best laid plans sometimes don't always work out. So you think you're going to run a five out motion offense and then it's just not clicking for your guys. Right. So, you know, you it's, it's on us coaches to, to adjust. So, you know, you see stuff like that where not necessarily what a team looks like in November is how they're going to look in February, you know? So um, I try and stay within a couple weeks. We play two games a week mm. here. Um, so I try and stay within like one to two weeks to try and look at those teams, you know, who's hot, things like that. Um, but if they played a fantastic game um, against another team that we know very well a month and a half ago, I am going to look at it. Mm -hmm. I might not make that the basis of, of our game plan and our scouting report, but, you know, you, I think you still want to look at those sorts of things. Right. I, I do think that, that there's value there to maybe, like like you said, kind of glance at it or take a look at it. But if, if you have more recent film, I, I would definitely agree that having that collection of recent film uh, yeah. is, defi is definitely useful. Um, Coach, I had, a question, I had a question for you because this is something that we deal with a lot is, all right. is what is 
how does how does film work for you guys? So like I'm a big film guy. I mentioned I played football. I also coach football, and football film is super super important um, for a football coach. But as a basketball coach, I don't feel that same emphasis from basketball coaches across the spectrum. Like um, sharing film is like a really big deal where I'm from, and like some coaches like don't share film, or other coaches are willing to give you everything. Like, what is your experience with, with like coaches sharing films? Uh, we are slowly getting better at it. I think yeah. where, where I'm at, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of uh, secrecy. I don't know if that's the best word or a lot of people who are, aren't really that comfortable or they think that there's like some weird, like ulterior motive about like sharing film. I, I think we're, we're getting a little bit better at it. I think one of the things that we just introduced in our district is huddle which yeah. I think is great and I think is super useful for, for that film to be accessible. But it, it is interesting. It, it is not like football, like you said. Football, like everything's out there. Like there, there's no secrets. There's, there's no secrecy at all. I, I think that we just run into situations maybe where a lot of coaches just don't have that rapport with each other. And I think that that was something you mentioned that's super important and something for me to keep in mind is that – as coaches, we need to make sure that we're building connections with other coaches. I, I had a conversation about that earlier, about how too often I feel we view other coaches as like our enemies and as our opponents and we're not working together. But it sounds like your situation's a little different where coaches feel that they're in like better communication than maybe we're at. Is, is, am, I, am I getting a sense of that, that coaches are they're kind of cordial? Yeah. We try. We try and be as cordial as possible, you know. Um, there's certain situations where you might not feel comfortable sharing film. Um, but personally, I believe that, you know, what kind of comes around goes around. As I don't share a film with you, um, who knows when I may need a film from you later on. Yeah. If, I, if I'm going to want that film, I, I've got to be willing to share my film with you first. So that's kind of how I feel about it. But yeah. I'm curious to see is what other people thought about it because uh, it's, you know, like I said, football is – in football, the way it works where we're from is is every – uh, game on Friday night has to be uploaded right. to like a pool by Saturday morning. And then like, you just take that film for your next opponent and you're ready to rock and roll. Mm -hmm. um, so it's just, it's, it's an interesting dynamic. I think as basketball yeah. coaches, I think we're, we're developing a system, but I think we can kind of continue to work on it. Uh, yeah, I agree. I think we definitely could agree on it. And I'm, I'm not making any excuses for basketball. One of the nice things football does have, though, is that they do have like the, all okay, right, every Friday, here's our game. Boom, it's uploaded yeah. and away we go. Basketball gets a little bit more hectic with scheduling everything like that. But I think, I, I again, I, I think that we just as coaches need to make sure that that we're we're transparent and we're open and and some of the very best coaches that I've met and talked to are the same ones who will be like yeah you can come to my practice you can come see this like uh, there, there's nothing yeah. to hide here so definitely definitely like that you touched on that that we should be more open we should be more collaborative because at the end of the day if I can learn something from you and that's going to help my players, like that's that's what it's about. If I can teach you something that's going to help one of your players, then indirectly I had an effect on that player's life. And it just builds like this great community where we're just growing players and things and, and just kind of growing our community and making better people directly or indirectly. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. Share I more agree. film. Be more collaborative. <laughs> so yeah. a couple, couple other things I'm curious about when you talk about um, – 
you you share some film about the individual players with your players. Um, yeah. You said sometimes you know the their responses to that may may be different, but I know that. I might have a situation where if I were to do that, I might find that some of my players might actually like get intimidated or they might go way too far and like get way too like psyched and way too yeah. amped up for that. Is there, is there a way that you sort of like balance that where it's more like, hey, I'm not giving you this to try and scare you or try and like psych you up. I'm just trying to tell you what they're doing. How, how do you kind of manage that? Well, and I think it's different for uh, boys and girls. I think I think they react differently. I think girls are much more analytical about the way they play the game. Um, I, I can speak from experience here. With high school boys think that they know everything, um, so they 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 definitely they definitely don't overanalyze everything that we say. Um, yeah. But there, there's absolutely something to it. Is is I I look back at um, we were fortunate enough this year to be a pretty talented team, and we ended up playing um a team that was rated top five in the state. I mean, these guys were good, um, very, very well coached. Um, and I was, I was all about it. I was like, this is our chance. We can make a statement here. And I think I made the mistake of, of going a little bit too hard. Um, and I think I might've psyched our players up a little too much and almost scared them a little bit by how intense the game, the game plan and, and scouting was. Um, so you definitely need to be careful about those sorts of things. Um, I don't know exactly. It's a fine line. Yeah. I don't. I haven't mastered that line yet. I'm still kind of dancing on both sides of the line. I think. Um, kind of what I've resorted to after that uh, disaster early on in the year um, is I try and keep it simple. You know, you want to give you want to give the kids like one one or two things. Right. So like I said, is it, let's, you're always going to start with the top scorer. What does he do? Is he a shooter? So if he's a shooter, I'm just going to put together five, 10 second clips, maybe even less because it's just a just a shot of him making tough shots. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm going to I'm going to show him catch and shoot with a hand in his face. And I'm just going to kind of point out to the kids like, look, like this kid's going to knock down open shots. He's going to make difficult shots. So. I think I try and keep it simple in that sense where like I'm not trying to tell the kids he's going to he's going to give you two jabs to the left <laughs> through two dribbles and then an escape dribble for a jump shot. Like I'm not trying to give the kids all that information because like you said, I think a it's either too much or B they're going to overanalyze in that game. And now all of a sudden, instead of the escape dribble, because they're sitting on that, the guy's going to blow right by it. <laughs> You know, and, and they're going to look at you like, I thought you said escape dribble. And it just creates a whole yep. whole mess of problems. So I don't try and get too in-depth on things like that. Like, I'll try and say, like, look, this kid's not comfortable going left. Force him left. Or he's yep. a shooter. Or I'll put together a couple clips where, look, he's right here in the paint. This kid's got no desire to shoot. He's, he's simply looking to pass. You know, so I try and keep it very, very simple for my players. I'm not trying to overload them with, with you know, minutia and, and minor details because, again, as a player, I can know that even in college, I wasn't super, super up on those kinds of things. Like I knew all I cared about was this kid can't go left or he wants to go, he wants to, go to this move every single time. And, you know, that's – so I try and keep it at the same level that I would have wanted it as a player. Right. 
Well, and I think that that kind of ties back into making sure that you kind of have those relationships with your players and you kind of know the way that they respond to different things. So you know which ones you can sort of amp up a little bit versus some who, you know, you don't really need to present present it to them in that way. And then also, um, I like that you, you kind of mentioned about just keeping it relatively simple and just, just giving a couple bits of information because I know I have this sometimes where I, I want to say all these things and I want to give all this information to them, but at the same time, I'm still talking to 14 to 18 year old girls who have a whole bunch of other things going on in their life, with classes, <laughs> personal life, and it's like they don't they don't need all that from me. That you know, I, all I have to do is maybe show like, hey, this girl dribbles left, which or dribbles left handed. Which way do you need to force her? Okay, good, got it. Like, exactly. yeah, and and different players respond different ways, and I think. You just have to know how your players are going to respond and what they need, and that that all comes to building those relationships. So, so definitely makes sense. And then, with your final part about the team tendencies, something I'm curious about. I, I know some some young coaches or people who are doing the film, they want to make sure that they're getting the information to the head coach or whoever's asking for it as like quickly and as concisely as possible almost like you are to your players so when you're relaying that information that you got from scouting uh to your head coaches how long of a conversation is that like how much do coaches do you find want to hear i know you've worked under a bunch of different ones but what, what's your experience been with that um again it varies coach to coach yep. and, and from team to team you know for the sectional semis we played in, it was a very, very long conversation. And, and it was it was much more in-depth. And we were drawing things up and showing each other things. Um, but, you know, for a typical regular season game is is I would I would try and treat it uh, similar to the way I treated it for the players. So um, you mentioned that you're getting Huddle. Huddle is what we have, and it's a fantastic tool. Um, yep. I can't say enough good things about what Huddle does. Um, and I, I'm firmly in the camp of um, – if if you don't have huddle, you're falling behind. Mm -hmm. um, Agreed. You know, with the analytical stuff that it provides, I, I love looking at the stats um, of, of our team and where, where we're hitting shots, where we're not hitting shots, and all sorts of great stuff. Um, so I use huddle. So what I'll do is I will give um, our head coach, I'll give him that same player scouting report, but I'll give him um, a, a private one with, with more information. So I'll give him some of those team things like their half court sets, their baselines out of bounds, some of their defensive stuff. And uh, the one that I give to our coaching staff is a little bit more, um, there's more, I wouldn't say more in depth, but there's more breadth. It covers more things. Right. Um, you know, so again, like we have our JV coach who's not necessarily focusing and game planning for, for the varsity game. Uh, before the game so what he'll do is i'll send that to him it's 10 minutes after his game's over while our kids are warming up he's watching the clips that i put together yep. so that way he has an idea and he knows what sorts of things he's looking out for uh, while he's on the bench with us so um it's just kind of more of the same i think you know you don't want to over you don't want to over scout and over game plan so yep. just kind of putting a small thing together under 10 minutes um, that someone can look at and, and understand what this team is and what they're trying to do. Right. And, and I like that you mentioned about covering like a, a wide range. And I think that that's something too, that, that young coaches might want to consider or those who are doing film, if they're having that communication with their head coach, where if I'm asking for film on something and somebody gives me a response, 
they can just say, oh, they run a, a diamond press and, and most coaches are going to know what that means. You don't necessarily need to go in depth too much exactly. with that. And exactly. you can just say, okay, they have this, they do this, you know, they do this little quick hitter on a stack or something. And okay, like I, I can, most coaches can make sense of it without needing like too much. But what you said, I think is really important where just, just give me, give me all the bullet points, give it all to me and then yeah. I can process it. And okay, I, I can work to make sense of it. So yeah, that makes sense. And again, all coaches are different, but I think the more information you can give in that kind of quick bullet point, here it is, here it is, here it is, a lot of good coaches will be able to process that and kind of know the depth uh, of response that they'll need in their coaching. So, so absolutely. Um, yeah, like all you need is, all you need is one clip of their diamond press where they trap yeah. it in the court. So now, now your coach knows, okay, let's not bring it up the sideline. Let's make sure we're bringing it to the middle, right? right. That's all. Yeah. Right. As, as a coach, that should be all we need. If, if you need more, we got to spend some more time with the X's and O's. Right. And yeah, exactly. So, okay. Diamond press. Okay. See it once. Great. Oh, you do pack line. Okay. Well, I, you know, like there's just these little things where it's like, yeah, you've probably in your coaching career seen so much of these different things. You just need to know, okay, that's what they do. Great. I've coached against this who knows how many times. So, you know, I'll yeah. see what it looks like and then we can go from there. Great. So, are there, when you're, when you're game planning, uh, are, are there things that you think, uh, that are like those little things that coaches should be paying attention to. We've talked, we've talked a bit about like the individuals and player tendencies, but are, are there like these little nuggets, these little things that you think coaches definitely want to make sure they're paying attention to that maybe some people would overlook or not pay attention to when they're scouting or making game sure. plans? So um, all of this has been shaped by my experiences as a varsity assistant coach. Mm -hmm. So the way that I look at it is how can I make an, a positive impact on our team so you know where is a team gonna find um, positive plays that maybe I can negate to some degree by being prepared and kind of what I've felt is the best way to do that is uh, there's a couple things but one of the big things is baseline out of bounds some some coaches don't care at all about baseline out of bounds They're like just get it in other coaches I think spend a lot of time in perfecting their their baseline out of bounds. And I, I personally am one of those coaches because I think, you know, you can get an easy four, eight, ten points just off of running those sets well. Um, mm -hmm. So what I try and do is I try and one of the things that I personally um, am prepared for is those baseline out of bounds. So I'm going to see a set or I'm going to hear a call and I'm going to be able to shout out to a kid, hey, 15's getting the ball here. Watch him. He's coming off a bunch yeah. of things. Watch 15. Watch 15. You know, and if you can kind of take away those easy looks, I mean, we're talking about uh, an eight-point difference possibly, four-point difference, you know. Um, late in a game, you, you, that could be the difference between a win and a loss if, you, if you're able to stop that baseline out-of-bounds play. So that's that's one thing that I think is, is important to focus on when, when you're game planning is, is know some of their sets – um, it can be half court or baseline out of bounds and just try and take those points away because there's those are points that you're that you're gaining by defending those well. Um, the other thing that I look at that that's been helpful is um, you know, do they run something at the start of the second half? Do they have a play that they run off the tip? What are they looking to do out of timeouts? What are they looking to do at the start of the fourth quarter? Um, you know, all those things like, there's been situations where we've seen it on film three or four times. Oh, they run a tip play where they're mm -hmm. going to get this guy. He's going to back screen and they're going to go for a lob or 
they're, you know, they're going to set him free. So he's got a wide open layup. Yep. So, you know, as a coach, that's something you can talk about in pregame. You can say, listen, on the tip, they got a seven footer. They're going to win the tip. <laughs> this is what they're going to do off of the tip. Mm-hmm. Be ready for it. And, you know, you can kind of put people in places where we can properly defend it. Um, same thing with, with, you know, timeouts and start of the second half. They're going to run this back screen looking for an easy layup. That's how yep. they get themselves going. You know, that's just another way that as a coach, if you can take away those points, you're having a positive impact on your team. Um, well, I, go ahead. Oh, no, I, I would just, the timeout thing was something that just super resonated with me because I know coaches and I've, I've coached against coaches who – They'll, they're going to change their defense after every timeout, and they're going to put something else different in there. And so that would be the, that something definitely that goes along with what you said about that little thing. If you're not paying attention to that, then you might get caught off guard. But uh, yeah, I said I've, I've coached uh, against teams that every every time there's a timeout, there's going to be a new defense that's going to be thrown yeah. at you. So uh, yeah, I, I didn't mean to cut you off. If you had more, please, please. By no, all no, means. no. <laughs> you're all good. And I yeah. think um, some of this comes from my football background is, you know, in football, you, you're looking for tendencies. When teams run this formation, they've got this play. This is the play that they're going to go with, and there's maybe two or three counters off of that play. But this formation means they're running this play. So I try and take some of those concepts and apply them to basketball. Like you said, okay, out of a timeout. All right, well, look for some tendencies. We have that video library that we've put together. They call a timeout. Is there a certain thing that they're looking to do? If they're down and they call a timeout after a big play, do they come out with a certain defense? Are they if 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 they if you've just called a timeout because they went on a 10-0 run, is there something that they're looking to do? Right? Are they going to come immediately blitz your your point guard at half court for a trap? If you know those sorts of things because you've watched enough film and you've you've learned these tendencies that's going to put you at a, at a great advantage as a coach, you know, boom, you bo- you burn a timeout. They just went on a 10 0 run. Um, all right, guys, let's focus in here. We call the timeout. We're getting, we're getting our wits about us. And right now we know they're going to come trap our point guard. So you can set something up to break that and hopefully kill their momentum. So, you know, that's one example, but you know, Depends on who you're playing against. Try and find those tendencies so that you as a coach can put your teammate, your team in the best position to be successful. Right. I, I, love, I love breaking it down into tendencies. That makes makes a lot of sense. And then you kind of pick up on these trends. Uh, I've watched film of teams who will run man pretty much the whole game. But if they're up by five of a couple minutes left, they're just going to switch to a zone just to see yep. how the other team will, you know, will react to it. So absolutely. That, that definitely makes sense. Look at the tendencies. Look at the trends that you can kind of see. And then again, with those quick hitters, you know, if they have a quick hitter that they run, but they're always looking to get it to the same guy or girl or the same kind of motion, you can take that away. That could be huge create a turnover get get you going in transition uh change momentum that way so yeah. it's interesting I, I i don't hear this so much as i used to i used to hear this a lot more but um i still hear it on occasion that there are coaches who believe that i don't need to game plan i don't need to do any scouting i'm just going to focus on what we do and what whatever it is that we do is going to be better than whatever it is they throw at us so i'm not even going to pay attention to what they're going to do because we don't want to be reactionary we're just going to impose our will on that team and do it no matter what um 
So those would be the coaches who maybe are of the mindset that like scouting and game planning, it's, it's more on the, the waste of time side and it's irrelevant to them. What, what would you say to coaches who may uh, feel that way? Hopefully they don't feel that extreme, but maybe those coaches who feel that like it's just not not worth the time or the effort. You know, I, I think there's something to be said for that. And, you know, um, actually my time with with Coach Near, um, who was very successful with me for us when I was a player, um, we tended, at least defensively, um, to say we're not changing what we do. And I think it's important as a coach that you're, you're sound in um, your team principles. So despite what, uh, what sort of set a team may be running, we as a team need to be comfortable with, with our principles. And even though they're doing this, as long as we're following our principles, we're not changing what we do. So I'm, I'm not someone who's going to advocate for uh, completely you know, reinventing the wheel. If, if, if what you're doing is working, you should have fundamentals in place that can, that can slow down or, or stop certain uh, game, game planning based on the fundamentals that you've instilled in your kids since, since you started work with them, whether it be over the summer or during the preseason. I think, you know, when we're going over baseline out of bound sets with our kids is I'll show the kids and I'll just say, look, this isn't anything different. We're still going to switch this screen. We switched this screen all year, but I'm just here to make you guys aware of it so that you're comfortable seeing it in, in certain game situations. And, you know, it's it's not perfect. Um, I can think of one situation that we had. Um, it was a fantastic game. Uh, it was it was a back-and-forth game, really important game for seeding and things like that. Um, we're on the road up by one with less than a second left, and the other team has the ball out for a sideline out of bounds. And I was able to – based on my game planning is I knew exactly what they were going to do. I knew that with little time left on the clock on a sideline out of bounds, they were running a lob play. They were going for a lob to get an easy tip in around the rim. Um, so, you know, I'm screaming. It's on the other end of the court. I'm screaming. The gym is loud and I'm screaming, watch the lob, watch the lob, watch the lob. And our guys did a great job. They executed it and they defended that lob perfectly unfortunately the kid who was supposed to get the lob read that we read the play mm. stepped back and nailed like a 30 footer <laughs> for the win oh, so wow. I, yeah it was a you know hats off unbelievable shot um and i think that just kind of emphasizes the point that sometimes your scouting isn't going to be enough players still got to go out there and make plays mm -hmm. and I, I can understand the sentiment that, oh, it's just a waste of our time because in that sense, you're right. We might have overscouted, you know. Who's to say that throwing a lob from the sideline and, you know, finishing it isn't a harder play than a kid taking a wide open 25 – a shooter taking a wide open 25-footer. You know, we had kind of – somehow the shooter got lost because we were so concerned with the lob that he was able to nail that shot. So – I understand that. I still feel that despite that, um, you know, players are going to make plays. And uh, it was unfortunate for us in that moment, but that kid made a play. So I felt that we put our team in the best position to make a play. And 
you know, players are going to do what players are going to do. They're going to hit shots. They're going to make plays. So I felt we had put our team in the best situation for that, for that moment. Well, uh, I think you bring up uh, a valid point in that your game planning and your scouting, it's not like you're going to completely rework your offense or rework your defense just because of something you saw in film that this other team might be doing these specific things or have these tendencies, but your your team has the ability and they've already worked on these things in practice and they can easily adjust to it. It's not like you have to completely change your entire offense just to try and win that one particular game. And then, oh, next week we got to change our offense again. Like, yeah. I, think that, I think that's that's a little too much. But but no, I mean, that, that makes sense in that you, you know what the sets are and you know what that quick play was with the lob. But at the end of the day, if that kid's going to make a 30 foot shot, as opposed to that attempt at a lob. I mean, you do, players are going to make plays, right? Just like you said, like they are going to make decisions and, you know, good players are, are, are going to come through and, and make those decisions. But it sounds like to me, you've had a, you've had a positive experience with your coaches, your, your, your coaches you've worked with have, val- have valued film and they valued your input and what you've gotten out of scouting and game planning. Is that correct? Absolutely. You know, yeah. I mean, different coaches have different um, feelings about film you know you might have an old school guy who's sort of like uh we don't we don't need it you know looking at analytics and things like that they may feel that you know that can't justify the feel of a game or things like that but i i think i think it's uh we're not doing our job as coaches if if we're not at least looking into all the different avenues and all the different tools that we have at our disposal these days so um i think it's a great tool i i'm still learning and still figuring out the best way to go about it. But I, so far, I thought it's, I think it's been very helpful for my teams and, and for my own personal development as a coach. Right. I, I agree. And, I, and as a teacher, as somebody who, who makes lesson plans and teaches and has to try and figure out areas where students may struggle or, or students may need to to have different accommodations, uh, you just have to kind of do your homework and do, do your advanced scouting and just kind of prepare for these situations so that the the, the players uh, and in my case also the students aren't going to be completely fooled when something new kind of comes up uh, yeah. makes sense and also also to wrap up something you said a little bit earlier about huddle like huddle is fantastic like if you're a coach listening this and you don't have huddle like beg your ad like beg whoever you need to 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 get huddle it is such a fantastic research uh resource i'm not sponsored by huddle either so this is legit me <laughs> saying please use huddle uh, get, it's it's fantastic. All right, coach. So to kind of wrap up with this, this is great and some real real great discussion we had here. I want to make sure that I, I give you the opportunity to talk about a coaching moment of yours that you've had in your career that you think others can learn from. What what's that moment for you? Um, you know, I, I'm still learning, mm-hmm. as I've said many times uh, during our discussion. Um, but the one thing that I've tried to kind of um, hold through from year to year. And it's something that I, I was told very early on from um, my high school coach, who, who I spent um, a year or two with, is don't get caught up in your record. Um, personally, I have no idea how many wins, how many losses I have at the JV freshman modified varsity level. I have no idea what my record is. Um, at the end of the day, uh, you and I are both educators. Well, we got into coaching because we believe that what's most important is is the kids and helping these kids. So um, I'm not getting caught up in the record. Um, and I, I try and remind myself that about 
you know, a couple times during the year is just, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm competitive and yeah, I want to win every game and win titles and states and all sorts of things. Um, but why am I doing this? You know, am I trying to live vicariously through kids or am I, or am I, or am I here to help people? Um, and one, one moment of that is, as I spoke on it earlier was, uh, my first year coaching. So, you know, I'm 22 years old at the time. These kids are 15, 16. So I'm really not that much older than them. Right. Um, and we were, we were a bad team, you know, and it's not easy to say sometimes, but we were, we were not good. I mean, we, we didn't, didn't have pieces in place to be a successful team, um, but I think that was one of my most rewarding experiences as a coach because those kids were just so happy to develop a relationship with me and to be enjoying themselves playing basketball. They wanted to win just as bad as the next guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were just, you know, we were small and we were unskilled. So that was that was a moment for me where I think it was my first year coaching where I was like, wow, like, yeah, I, I'm into this. and. Yeah. This is this is rewarding, and I see the value in giving back and, and trying to teach these kids what basketball taught me. You know, and that's kind of why we get into coaching. And I think any sort of opportunity you can take as a coach to learn um, from your kids and take those moments, I think that's that's what I've taken out of my coaching career. Is just it's it's not about your wins and losses. It's about those relationships that you've had with your kids. I know we talked about scouting and game planning and winning games here, but um, mm-hmm. the more important thing I think is, is, is winning is not winning is, is <laughs> being with kids. Yeah. Uh, I couldn't agree more. Like we got into this uh, to, to build better uh, young men, young, young women. And, and we just have the opportunity to do that through basketball, which is perfect. Uh, you get to coach basketball, but you're also teaching and molding uh, those players that you're with and, and making them better people. And so, uh, yeah, absolutely about relationships and, and, and enjoying those relationships and enjoying that that process of seeing them get something out of the game uh that, that's great so to, to wrap go wrap up coach uh I, I love to to give all my guests uh the the 60 second soapbox where they get to kind of give a, a closing thought a final thoughts some something that that they maybe didn't get to uh earlier that they wanted to make sure that they heard so to wrap up coach go ahead with your 60 second soapbox uh get, get your idea out there I uh, just sort of went on my soapbox I'll, I'll <laughs> a little bit more here um, you know, just kind of building those relationships is the most important thing. Um, I'm fortunate enough to be working at my alma mater. Um, it's the town I grew up in. So I think the most important thing is, is developing relationships um, and using basketball as an avenue. Um, I think we're all in this. I hope we're all in this to make meaningful change um, in the lives of our players and also within our community. You know, we want to be involved and in giving back in some way um, so that we're giving back to the game and the game is giving back to more people the way it gave to us. So um, I just encourage everyone to, you know, competitiveness is awesome. We want to win every game, but just remember why we're doing this. We, we do this for the kids. We do this for um, relationships and for helping make better men and women um, so that they can then teach the game when they become coaches. So um, there's my little soapbox is, is why, why are we here? What are we doing this for? 
Love it. That's such a great way, great, great way to end that and punctuate it with just the relationships and always reflecting on why we're doing this. That, that's fantastic. So, uh, Coach Pierre, thank you so much for joining us. It was a great discussion and there's a lot of information that I think coaches can apply and use. And I love that we ended it by talking about relationships and going back to the purpose of why we do this in the first place. So that was great. Good luck this season, Coach. Thank you. Thanks. You too. Well, this was another episode of the Basketball Teacher Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Basketball Teacher Podcast. Make sure to connect with us on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, or reach us directly through email at basketballteacherpodcast at gmail.com. Take care, be safe, and we'll see you next time.